Thank you. Hallelujah. Come on. How about somebody welcome Jesus? Hallelujah. Come on, everybody stand to your feet and give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised. I see all of you at home standing to your feet. That's a great thing. Hallelujah. It's interesting today, uh, and we want to welcome all of you who are watching us on Facebook today, but we got a prophetic word inside the house for your house. Uh, a prophetic word was given this morning that someone is dealing with stomach or, and intestinal pains inside of your home right there. And we want to be able to pray for you. Uh, you won't be able to see this, but I'm asking everyone in the congregation to stretch your hands into this camera here in the middle. And let's just believe. How many of you believe that God can heal somebody from our prayers inside this sanctuary to somebody on Facebook? If you believe, say amen. Amen. If you believe, say amen. amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this word of how much you care for people. And we know that uh, whomever is suffering from this in their house right now, that you are able to touch and heal them. We thank you, God, for uh, the power that flows wherever we are and wherever you go. So, Father, I'm going to be excited to hear of the testimony of the healing that has transpired in this or other many people's stomachs and intestines father that you have done a miracle for them in Jesus name and all of God's people said amen, amen. hallelujah it's great to be in the house of God today um, I feel like I talk like a machine gun because uh, uh, our preaching time has been reduced but yet what's on my heart is not reduced and so I, I want to just continue on in this series, and I want you to know how amazing God is. Several weeks back, uh, when I was thinking about post-sermons for Pentecost, uh, I knew that the uh, that last week's sermon was going to be when the Holy Spirit comes, and I knew this week was going to talk about from the prophet Joel when he said, your uh, young men will see visions. And what does that look like? And I already knew I was going to go to Acts chapter 10. That was in my greatest thoughts. But I also realized as I was studying Acts chapter 10, this is so for us today. This is so for the body of Christ. This is so for the nation. Because what God wants to say to us today is going to inspire us in a tremendous way. How many of you would agree that the Word of God is massively inspirational? Amen? Would you say, come on, I need your help today. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, Father, in Jesus' name, the name that's above all names, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every strategy of the enemy will bow. Every heart will have to bow. Every demonic entity will have to bow. Every person in the world will have to bow to this powerful name of Jesus. Jesus, we are so thankful that you went to the cross for everybody. Every tribe, every nation, every race, every person, no matter what color they are. You went to the cross for them and it was your desire that none should perish but that all should come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, I know more than ever today that you are the only answer to all of man's situations. And so, Father, today, 
I pray that as I bring forth this word, that people's hearts, Father, would be drawn to you. And as their hearts are drawn to you, we can't help but to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to preach today in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message uh, today is, and Chris, turn me down just a click. I feel like I'm a little hot today because I'm so excited. Uh, the title of my message today is, is that it's a matter of the heart. Okay? And so what does the Bible have to say about the heart of man? Well, it's interesting because Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. How many of you realize that, that when the Holy Spirit pinned the words to the Bible, that he knew inside, it didn't matter if this was pinned 3,000 years ago or it was pinned yesterday. It's relevant to where we are. Amen? How many of you would say that there are some desperately wicked hearts in the earth today? Man, I would. I would, I would say that. The Bible goes on to say, because... I'd like to take an Old Testament reading alongside a New Testament reading. It says in Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, and then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. It is what comes from inside that defiles you. Folks, inside of each of us, there is something that we have to challenge ourselves with. To, to whatever is inside of us defiling us, we have to confront that. There's no, there's no time left. There's no way to avoid it. There's no way out of it. you got to confront that which defiles you. Listen, for from within, from out of a person's heart, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustfulness, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride. And I love this. Everybody say, can you say foolishness with me? Everybody together say foolishness. foolishness. How many of you realize that when we demean anybody, it's total foolishness? Would you agree with me? If you do, say amen. amen. All these vile things come from where? Within. They come from within. Now, I know that people don't like to hear an Old Testament scripture that says the, the heart is, is deceitfully wicked in all things because Jesus came and now our hearts are different. I hear that all the time. But then why did Jesus have to restate it in the New Testament? See, the condition of a heart is something that, even in the Garden of Eden, come on, it started back there. Adam and Eve's heart turned away from God. And something deceitful and, and, and wicked happened in the Garden. And to think that that's not still happening today, we're kidding ourselves. We've got to face these things. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9 because I want to just for a moment set a few things up leading into Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 9 is amazing. Saul gets blasted by the Holy Spirit. This persecutor of Jews. Now he was a Jew, a legalistic Jew, and he persecuted his own people. 
to the place to where he stood by when Stephen was being stoned and allowed and watched it and, and said it was okay that it happened. This is the guy we're talking about. Why do I say it like that? Because I'm going to talk about this redeeming God who can step in no matter who it is or what the situation is, and he can make a drastic change in the way things are done. So we go on, and uh, in, in the, the book of Acts here in chapter 9, I ought to go ahead and turn to it since I'm going to preach about it, then we see this is happening. There's all kinds of things that we see about the Apostle Paul. A murderer was transformed. A, a persecutor was made to be an ally. Listen to me. When Jesus changes your heart, that evil thing that's when inside of you can be transformed even to the point to what you are being evil about, you can become an ally of. Yeah. Only God. Yeah. Somebody say that with me. Only God. Oh, come on, now say it like you mean it this time. Only God. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, only God. With sincerity. Only God can make that kind of change. He can make and transform a murderer. He can take a, a, a persecutor and turn him into an ally. He can take a hardened heart and soften it. My prayer today is, is that God would soften your hearts. That God would soften your heart. This isn't about you. This is about him. And if we're going to make this about him, we've got to look like him. We've got to act like him. We've got to sound like him. We've got to walk like him. We've got to talk like him. Because he looks and acts differently than all mankind acts. But when he transforms... How many of you are glad today that you can say, I said yes to Jesus, amen? How many of you can say that? Let me see your hand, say, said yes to Jesus. All right, now listen, then he's began the transformation process in you. He's going to deal with those deceitful things in you, whether you want him to or not, because he cannot live inside you without you being challenged to change. It can't happen. So here's just... The supernatural, mind-boggling stuff. Paul gets struck on the road to Damascus, scales, he, he gets blinded. Somebody steps up and, and is obedient to God, Ananias prays for him. He not only gets his sight back, he gets a real relationship with Jesus. He not only gets a real relationship with Jesus, but he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Supernatural stuff. Acts 1.8 says that we're filled with the Spirit to what? Be a what? Witness. So what did, what did Saul, Paul, what did he do? He began to preach. He went out and preached and, and quite frankly it freaked people out. Because here was the greatest persecutor of Jews out in, in, in verse uh, uh, 20. It, it, he starts talking about and immediately... He began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. He is indeed the Son of God, he said. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. Transformation makes people talk differently, think differently, see things differently, and people notice the difference. 
Church, we are the ones who are transformed. We are the ones that are called to love above how everyone else loves. Listen to this. They ask, and didn't he come here to arrest them and to take them in chains uh, to the leading priest? See, they thought Paul was there to trick them. Why would they think that? This is Acts chapter 9. Jesus has already came. Life is hunky-dory, right? Wrong. It's not hunky-dory. The Christians are being persecuted by the Roman government like never before. Jews are still chasing down Christians and, and trying to do bad things to them. How do I know that? Because Saul's preaching uh, became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus could not refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So after a while, some of the Jews, they plotted together to what? Kill him. His own people wanted to kill him. Now, whose heart was being transformed here? The people who their Messiah had just come and it went right over their head is now going to kill one who has got the revelation. Cool. It's just amazing stuff. They were watching him day and night at the city gate. This stuff's movie stuff, guys. I mean, when you, when you read this, you ought to be excited about this. Thinking, how did this look? They were watching him day and night. They were plotting against him. They were gossiping. Where's Paul? I saw him at here. And, and okay, well, we're going to round up a bunch of, uh, of people and we're going to go after him. They watched him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. As soon as he went through the gate, they were going to sabotage him. They were going to let him have it. They were going to murder him. Oh, but God had a different plan. They were watching him day and night, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket. Here's a dude, a full-size grown man. He's in a basket. He's not Moses. He's not a baby that they flicked out into the lake. Here's a full-size dude in a basket. Come on. This stuff is wild. <laughs> and then they lowered him outside of the city walls so he didn't have to go through the gate. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers in verse 26, but they were all afraid of him. No wonder. Let me tell you something that's true. When you don't know someone, you get afraid of them. Listen, I, I saw this, I saw this clearly in seventh grade. We went to play in a tournament at Eastmore. And it was my team of all white guys against four schools that were all black guys. And when we hit the court and the referee threw the ball up, they tipped it to uh, one of the Eastmore guys. He threw it to another guy. And in seventh grade, this kid almost went above the rim. Now, you couldn't dunk in my day. Us uh, old guys, it was, a, it was a sin to dunk. But this kid laid it off the backboard, almost like a dunk. 
And I can remember the other four guys on my team going, they were freaked out. We were behind 12 to nothing in the first quarter. We were good, very good. But see, they were afraid because they had never played a game of basketball against five other black guys. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I said, guys, these guys put their shorts on just like us. Come on, get it together. These people were the same way. They did not know the transformation of who Paul was at this time. So he, he uh, uh, met with believers. They all uh, said they were afraid of him. Uh, they didn't believe he had truly become a believer. Now listen to this. Then when Barnabas, everybody say then Barnabas. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times in life it takes somebody to walk alongside of you. To help you to better understand. Jason, come here. I can't go past this thing because uh, that's when I come outside of the camera. I'm trying to do my duty and do my best. What Barnabas did is he came aside, Paul. He brought him and stood before all of you who hate him and are afraid of him. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't know this guy like I know him. You haven't seen what I have seen. This is a different person. You don't need to fear him. The things he's telling you come from his encounter with God. His heart is different. Now, Jason, go back over there and mind your business, okay? <laughs> See, Barnabas stood with him, and, and it gave it, it gave credence to who he was and it helped them to be comfortable in understanding that this was not the same person. He was a changed individual. And then in verse 29, what happens? Same thing. See, when somebody is trying to bring reconciliation, other people always come against them. They always speak against them. They bring up past they bring up old stuff they can't see anyone else as being new they can't see reformation or anything that's happened in someone else's life now we go on in this same uh, chapter just unbelievable supernatural things continue to happen Peter touched a man who was bedridden for eight years and touched him, and he was healed at that exact moment. He went on to touch a woman who had uh, been dead, and she came back to life. This is one chapter of the book of Acts. Now we move to the text. I wanted to set this up because it helps you to better understand more of this wild stuff is going to happen. And what did we say? The New Testament church was founded in the book of Acts. The precepts for how we are to live are in the book of Acts. Now, here's another amazing thing. In Acts chapter 10, there was a Caesarea there who uh, there lived, a, uh, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer. He was a centurion. He was a Roman officer who did nothing but make life troublesome for the Jews. And uh, he was over a hundred soldiers. He had a position. Uh, he was a Gentile to boot. 
And now we're gonna, things are going to start to get really wild. He is a Roman officer. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. You know, you just can't judge a book by its cover, can you? You just can't judge what you see with your eyes. This was a Roman centurion. In the same way they looked at Paul and said, no way. In the same way they said, he's going to see setting us up to kill us. Is the same way this guy would have been viewed too. Sure, he's a believer. Sure, his whole household is. And listen to this. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a, everybody say, vision. He had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. This is what was spoken to us in Acts 2 when uh, uh, Peter was giving his sermon. This is what was prophesied thousands of years ago. And that people would have visions. There would be supernatural connections with God. And what connected Cornelius supernaturally? That he gave alms to the poor and that he prayed to God. And, and, and the Bible says that captured God's attention. If you want to capture God's attention, give alms and pray and you will have his heart. Why? When did you do it unto the least of these? Jesus said when you did it to the poor, you did it unto the least of these. How can you capture Jesus' heart? Listen to what Cornelius did. Now, I'm going to transition deeply into this story. Peter is also in a place to where he's done his due for the day. He's going up to the top of the house because that's where you chill. And he's just planning on chilling. He's just planning on doing his thing, resting and relaxing before dinner. And the Bible says he fell into a trance. In other words, he fell into a place to where he was supernaturally connected with God and something incredible was going to happen and he had a vision. And God was speaking to him at the same time he's speaking to Cornelius. Listen, I want to tell you something. When God speaks to you, he's usually speaking about something he's connecting other people with as well. That's why it's critical that you become obedient to the voice of God, and when God speaks, that you begin to move because other people's lives are counting on your obedience. Counting on your obedience. God just doesn't speak because he's bored. He speaks because something incredible is going to happen. Would you agree? If you do, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. So it goes on in this vision, and I'm going to paraphrase it. God showed him things that would have been normally seen as unclean. And the word says common, common and unclean. And, and uh, Peter goes on to see that God says, anything that I cleanse is no more dirty or uncommon. And he's saying, you have to realize, what you call unclean and, and common, I no longer call that. So Peter's sitting here thinking, what is the deal with this? As a matter of fact, it says in verse 17, Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? And then it says, just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate and they asked if there was a man named Simon Peter staying there. Because see, the centurion soldier got word from the angel, send men to this guy because he's going he's to give you some truth. He's going to transform your life. 
So they were obedient. They went. Meanwhile, Peter was puzzling over the vision. The Holy Spirit said to him, get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why are you here? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. Now, this, that, you know what? Peter's got a decision to make. Here's a bunch of dudes coming representing a centurion soldier who is still persecuting the Jews. And then he's got to say... You, you guys, just relax for a minute, because I, I'm, I'm, I need to say something, and you did a great job. I said at 11.04, come up, hallelujah. <laughs> Bear with me for just a minute. We're going somewhere today, and it's important that we get there, okay? And so, he had a choice to make. What was he going to do? It's the same choice you have to make. So many times. And there, there are issues of the heart. See, God was saying, I want you to go to a Gentile's house. Jews never went to Gentiles' homes. He said, I want you not only go to a Gentile home, I want you to go to a centurion soldier's home. I want you to risk your life for me. Listen, folks, if you want to live the adventurous life that God has in store for you, you better plan to risk your life for it. You better plan to lose your reputation for it. You better learn that there's going to be some times that you're going to be standing on an island all by yourself because no one else wants to go where God has called you to go. Are you willing? Is your heart in a place that you would say yes to whatever God is calling you to do. We say that. We say that. So he went. He went. And, and as he's going to do the deal, he, he begins to just unload on this amazing testimony again. And he says this, and this is Acts 1.8. Why do we get the baptism of the Spirit? Because we are to be witnesses. Why? Because when we tell people about Jesus and they get it, they're transformed. Yeah. See, transformation comes from the voice of the witness. Barnabas stood with Paul and said, this is a good man. When is the last time we stood by anyone who was being confronted or challenged because of who they were, what they looked like, what they were saying, where they were going? Then Peter replied in verse 34, listen, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation... In every nation, whether it's Liberia, whether it's Nigeria, whether it's in Kenya, every nation, the Bible says, those who fear him and do what is right, this is the message of God, the good news for the people of Israel. And there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
You know what happened throughout Judea and Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism. Going down to verse 43. He is the one all the prophets testified about. There he goes again, bringing in the prophets of old to verify who Jesus is, saying to everyone who believes in him that they will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was even saying these things. Now this is what excites me. It wasn't going to matter what a Jew was going to determine for the Gentile because God already had the plan going. God already had this set. All he wanted to do is to bring two men together to change the world. Two people came together and resurrected the whole line of the Gentiles to be able to be those who had their sins forgiven as well. Two men who were obedient to what God called them to. And he, listen to this. Everybody get ready. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues, praising God. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody even got to the place of, what spirit were you baptized in? No, Jesus just came boom, and the Holy Spirit came bam. And it wasn't going to be in the control of any person. This is something that happened to me in Cuba. I'm just preaching about the Word of God. And the Word of God starts touching people, the power of God. People are going out in the Spirit all over the place where I'm preaching. It had nothing to do with me. God was breaking a spirit of Santeria that had been operating in that town for hundreds of years. And he was just looking for somebody who would say yes. To go preach the message. Now, here's what's interesting. And this is what I want you to think. In this in crazy stuff. Unbelievable stuff. So Peter thinks he's going to go tell his boys about what happened. And this is their reaction. Soon the news reached the apostles. And this is chapter 11. And other believers in Judah. That the Gentiles had received the word of God. Everybody say but. but. See, listen to me. If you can't say black lives matter without a but, then you need to check your heart. If you, what, what, what is in you that can't just recognize that? But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, uh, uh, the Jewish believers, they criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them. Have you lost your mind? That's what they're saying to him. They were looking down on the Gentiles. This is a Jews only thing. And do you know what God was saying to the Jews who were his chosen people? He said, Gentile lives matter. Now, did that mean that Jewish lives didn't matter? No, they're his chosen people. Did he need to say any, did he need to put a but in there? Did he need to say, but 
Now, Gentiles don't, Gentile lives matter, but the Jews are my chosen people. No, there was no but. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. In the same way that Gentile lives mattered is the same way that Jewish lives mattered as well. But he didn't have to say but because Peter knew. Peter knew. Peter knew how special that was. Peter was in the midst of some unbelievable miracle. And he knew what had taken place. Listen, this is a matter of the heart. Let me, let me just give you some context. Men's hearts are inherently wicked. In all my trips to Rwanda, I've gone to the Genocide Museum and seen in 1994 how a group who felt dominant, a tribe who felt dominant over another tribe, thought it was okay to begin to eliminate that tribe. Up to a million people's lives were thrown into turmoil. Millions were thrown out of, of, of their situations, their families that had to go to refugee camps. If you were lucky enough to escape the murderous hearts of the Hutu, you had to do it somewhere else in another nation. There's something not right with the hearts of men. We watched videos of people who said, my neighbors and us had been friends through generations. They were God parents to our children. And when they came to murder us, they said, there's the Tutsis right there next door to us. Our friends of a lifetime are right there. What happens in the hearts of men that would turn in your godchildren to be murdered? The hearts of men are deceitfully wicked. Hitler convinced a whole nation that they were superior to the Jews. The Jews have been hindered and murdered for year after year, and they're still being persecuted. If we can't say Jewish lives matter, then we're missing the point as well. A whole nation rounded up Jews and killed them in the most horrific way. The hearts of men, when they're led astray, evil and wicked comes out to play. And I don't think I have to go to this part if you want to talk about the desperation of evil hearts. Who can minister to the aborted baby? Who's in a dish? Who's been sucked apart? And you wonder why we can't say Black Lives Matter? We suck babies out of mom's wombs. Like it's, like it's a natural thing. And you tell me that men's hearts aren't inherently evil? My God. <laughs> what is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? How do you explain when you're going to be in heaven to the unborn baby that you couldn't be a Barnabas for them? You couldn't stand and defend them. <laughs> and we wonder why we have racial divide. 
We murder people like it's yesterday's business. And it all starts with that women's right. It's a woman's right to murder her baby. It's not anyone's right to murder anybody that God has created. It's not anyone's right to mistreat anybody because they're black or Asian or Mexican or whatever they are. Who gave you the right? Who made you God? And listen, church, we have got to decide. What side of the cross are you on? Are you a rocker? Or are you a mocker? What side of the cross? That's uh, Line Roosevelt Hunter, a great evangelist who used to preach here, always said, he challenged us. What side of the cross are you on? I know this is not a comfortable message. I get it. But you know what? This ain't real comfortable all the time. It's not real comfortable all the time to be faced with what we have to be faced with. Unborn lives matter. Can you say that with me? Unborn lives matter. But I, I, I don't need to point out that Mexican lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, Asian life matters. I don't, I shouldn't as a pastor or a believer, I shouldn't have to say that we've got to say one person or people's lives matter. If that's not already in here, I don't care what you repeat or what meme you put on Facebook. If it ain't something that you live every day, then please stop the hypocrisy. Stop it! You know, the greatest thing that I love about our body is I look around and I see people from other races coming together to worship God. That's God's plan. I don't see you as this or Todd as this or... I don't, I don't see Omo as this. I don't see anybody as that. I just see you as the beautiful person that God made you. How many of you would agree with me today that our nation needs a, it needs a change of heart? But I'm going to tell you something. Buckle your seatbelts because this is your job. What? Why do you think that Paul stood up and then he began to preach to the ones that he persecuted because the Holy Spirit filled him in Acts chapter 9? And there wasn't anything left to do. Why? Because the whole purpose for the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to be witnesses. To be witnesses. To tell people about Jesus. When, when, when we all get to heaven, there's not going to be any, any racism, folks. Trust me. Trust me. Because if you think you're bringing racism to heaven, you ain't getting there. It's a matter of the heart. And the fact that you would have to say you'd have to mouth anything to, to prove something because your actions haven't already shown it, that's sad. 
you know, I, I, I don't feel like I, I, I have to say anything. I love all people. And I think you know, I think you know whether you're white or black in here today where I stand on this issue. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to ask. Black lives matter. And Jesus loves us all. And we need to press in and say, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. So as we close today, you know, it's really hard to have a Redeemer service in 65 minutes. I had it all written out. I had a plan. But this message is too important. It's just too important. Would you stand with me today? And I'm going to pray something as we close with this song. I'm going to pray that you would challenge your heart today. In this week. And say, if there's anything rotten in Denmark. If there's anything that shouldn't be here. With grace. Let me just bring it before Jesus. He's not got a cosmic wiffle ball bat up there wanting to slam you over the head. He will just say, thank you, my son. Thank you, my daughter. And continue to work in your heart and your life. Folks, we, we've got to be the trendsetters. We have, to, we have to fight for the unborn. We have to fight for whomever and whatever is being affected in a negative way. We can't allow it. We, well, it will never be a Redeemer thing. Never will it be a Redeemer thing. We minister around the world to every culture. Why? Because Pastor Jarvis never let us get to a place to where he would allow us to know anything any other way and I'm going to stand in the steed that has been brought forth of the 56 years of this church and that's not going to change we're going to love everybody we made a motto and it's not just a plaque on the wall we put letters out there that say we love God by loving people and that does not have an ETC or an etc. or fine print underneath of it. We love all people. And we need the way maker to come in. Holy Spirit, I just pray today that you would just work in our hearts. Wherever there's even a seed of racism, a seed that's in there that wants to come against somebody else for any other reason. Whether there's a seed that says abortion is okay. Whether there's a seed that is planted in our heart in any way that would bring forth anyone, anything but love for other people. I pray that there would be some holy weed killer that would be released, some holy roundup 
that would just come into the hearts of this people and everyone who is watching us today on Facebook. I pray that all of our hearts would be changed and transformed. Father, I thank you by your Holy Spirit. Just come. Make us a people that falls in love with the people who are going to hell. I don't know what kind of ism that is, God, but it's a messed up ism. Put in our hearts a desire to see the lost come to Jesus. Right now, Father, I'm praying for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit for the intended purpose. If you want to be a witness, just lift your hands right now. If you say, Pastor, I want to let my voice be heard. I want to tell people about Jesus. If that's you, hold up both hands. I don't want God to miss you. Uh, get them above your shoulders even. I mean, hold them up. Like, here I am. Holy Spirit, don't pass me up on this altar call. Jesus, you see the hands that are lifted that say, I want to be a witness. So right now, Jesus, I just pray that you pour out a supernatural anointing on each life with their hands lifted, that you would enable them to speak words that break yokes and set captives free. I pray, God, that there would be such love in their eyes that it would melt the people that they come across, that there would be such kindness in their voice that it would just attract them to you, the one and only King who's worthy to be praised. And so, Father, I'm praying for supernatural connectors, that you would connect each of us to somebody this week that needs to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Father, I thank you for such an incredible group of people who are loving and caring and giving and we can only be this way because of the Waymaker. Work miracles in our lives and in our hearts. And Father, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Let these words sink deep into your spirit as you sing them. God bless you. We're looking forward to seeing you again next week. But let's just worship out today. You